Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. It's a significant day today. We're going to celebrate motherhood today. That's my intention, folks. I, I acknowledge that it's not an easy day for everybody, but I believe that uh, God has a blessing for everyone here today. And uh, so we're going to trust him for that. I've called my, my talk today, Mum's the Word. And uh, before I really get into it, I just want to give you an idea of what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be looking in my first point at the ideal. In my second point, I want to talk about the reality. And for my third point, I want to talk about somewhere in between. We're looking at motherhood. And we're going to be focusing on Proverbs 31. But as we get going, since my interesting facts were so well received for the Valentine's Day message, I thought I'd dig up a few more for you. A bit of useless information. In 2013, it was calculated, and this is a US figure, that the tasks that a mom performs at home would be worth 40,400 pounds a year in the professional world. That's quite significant, eh? Those people who thinks that, think that mums don't do much at home. 69% of Britons, or British people, have admitted to missing at least one Mother's Day, while as many as one in five have confessed to missing it more than five times. I won't ask you to put your hands up. Did you know that Mother's Day is the busiest day for restaurants? Eh? There are more phone calls made on Mother's Day than any other day in the year. I was staggered by this, this point, or this, this fact. I don't know if you've ever wondered how old the youngest mother was when she gave birth. The record stands, giving birth to a six and a half pound boy by caesarean section, the record belongs to a girl of five years old and seven months. 1939, she gave birth to her baby. Did you ever wonder how old the oldest mother was on record? <laughs> 65 years old. This is unbelievable. The most surviving children from a single birth, well this is not unbelievable, the next one is, the most children at one time that a mom's had is seven, septuplets, imagine that. All born within the space of 16 minutes. By caesarean section, that is. <laughs> Bit of a machine gun, otherwise. The highest number of children ever given birth to by a mom, you're not going to believe this, is 69 children. Between the years of 1707 and 1782, this lady gave birth to 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets and four sets of quadruplets. <laughs> God help her. And did you know 
the female embryo at six weeks old makes preparations for motherhood by producing all the eggs that the mother will ever need, about a million from six weeks old in the womb, that female embryo starts to produce those eggs. Amazing, don't you think? Hey, I think that's amazing. Anyway, some useful facts. You can go home and tell all your friends about those now. So let's look today at Proverbs chapter 31. If you want to, you can turn and read it with me. Unfortunately, it's not on the screen, so you'll just have to listen to me today. We're going to read some verses from Proverbs 31, and it goes like so. The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. How cool is this? An inspired utterance that King Lemuel's mother taught him. Now, many people believe that King Lemuel is actually Solomon. Okay? So, just remember, this is his mom talking to her son, imparting wise words to her son. And it says this, or she says, Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son. I think she's trying to get a point across to him. The answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women. Your vigor on those who ruin kings. We're going to jump down several verses now, and we're going to start and read again at verse 10. This is Solomon's mom speaking to him. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat amongst the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also. 
and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Here is King Solomon's mum, gathering all of her wise thoughts together and describing to him a wife fit for a king. I think that's every gent's dream. Amen? And so um, Solomon is now explaining uh, or or dictating these things that his mum has told him. And for us, this paints a picture which might have been abused in the past of ladies. This is an ideal, the ideal for moms and women. Um, She begins with the words, a wife of noble character, who can find she is worth more than rubies. So I want to just pause there for a moment and say, ladies, can I apologize on behalf of the men who have used this scripture previously to beat you as a stick? Okay? Whilst this is an ideal, it's important for me to say here that this is not a real person. She's a fictional character, an ideal, an aspiration, yes, something for all women to aspire. She is full of characteristics that are wonderful. But as you'll find later on, you're not going to ever find a woman, gents, who has all these characters or characteristics. Are we not all a work in progress? Amen. But it's good to start with the bar raised high. Amen. All of these characteristics and all of these qualities are God-ordained things that he wants to place inside of us, things that he wants us to develop. But it's important to realize too that without the grace of God, we will never get there. Amen. So let's talk about this woman very briefly and let's draw out some of the characteristics of this lady. It's clear to say she's not a woman of leisure. All right? I've listed a number of characteristics here that I want to just read out and meditate on. She's a woman of good character. She's trustworthy. She's diligent and industrious. She's hard working. She earns an income. She invests wisely. She cares for her whole household, even, the Bible tells us, the people who serve her. She also cares for the poor. We read there that she's wise, full of wisdom. We read that she's in touch with the affairs of everyone in her household. She's praised by her husband. She's praised by her children. The Bible tells us there that she's not consumed with her outward appearance. 
She loves the Lord. She loves Jesus. The Bible tells us that she's honoured and respected by outsiders. And she has a good reputation around town. She sounds amazing. Eh? I'm so grateful that she's described, this person's describing my wonderful wife. Eh? She's a good woman. I wonder how that makes you feel today as a lady. I hope you're not sitting there thinking, oh my word. I don't want you to be carrying a weight today. The Lord doesn't want you to carry a weight of guilt or shame. That's a picture for us today, for us to meditate on. I don't want to, I don't want to place it as such an ideal that we end up breaking ourselves on it. But also I don't want to say, ah, it's just a fictional story. Because there are deep character truths in there that I believe God wants for women to carry and much there for gents to carry too. <clears throat> Let's look at the reality today. I want to take some time now and look at a few ladies from the Bible. We've looked at, a, at an immaculate ideal. And now I want to look at some real people and how they coped with what life brought to them. I want to look at the decisions that they made. Some of them awesome, some of them horrendous. Our goal being that we can learn something from each of these ladies. So I want to begin today and talk about the first mom. Her name was Eve. The first woman, actually, She's most well known probably for committing the mother of all sins. See what I did there? Did you get it? Thank you very much. If you've ever been a mom, you will know that the first time around is difficult. If I remember back to when we first had Rebecca and, and Heidi as a first time mom, it's a fast learning curve and you make lots of good decisions and you make some bad decisions. Imagine being Eve who was the first ever first time mum who had no mom to go to and say what do I do now? Who had no point of reference to refer to. Imagine. She was also the first mom to experience sibling rivalry amongst her children. Have you as a parent ever had to contend with rivalry amongst your children? Hey? She was also the first mum to ever have to bury her child. And then there's Sarah, married to Abraham. She found it very difficult to fall pregnant. And she received a promise from God that she would bear her own child. Now, it's important for us. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to highlight a whole host of things that moms have to deal with in life. And it's important for us, I really want to say this and make this point today, that whilst many of us don't ever have to suffer some of these difficult things, it's important to realise that they're a reality of life. And part of what I want to do at the end of our service today is honour all the ladies in this room and take time to pray for them in all the difficult circumstances that they encounter. So here is Sarah. 
unable to have children, but promised by God that she would. Having to wait 25 years before that became her reality. Imagine. You can obviously see from her story that she struggled with being patient because she tried to short-circuit the promise of God with one of her maidservants called Hagar. And yet God's word to her was true and he is faithful. And we see from her story that ultimately that conception came about. The next lady that we look at today is a lady called Rebecca, married to Isaac. If you read that story of how they became husband and wife, it's a beautiful story. Really lovely start to their marriage. But she had a real problem as a mom. She was completely over-involved in the life of her children. The Bible tells us that Isaac loved Esau, and the Bible tells us that Rebekah loved Jacob. And she loved him so much that she helped him to deceive Isaac into giving his blessing to Jacob instead of to Esau, who was the rightful heir of that blessing. A horrendous decision. And a family rift appeared in that family and lasted for a very, very long time. The next lady that I want to look at is Bathsheba. We've all heard of Bathsheba, David and Bathsheba. Her story doesn't start well because effectively she is raped by David. She's out bathing on the roof and he sees her, yes, he should have been out at war fighting and he's standing idly around in his palace. He sees her and he's tempted and he sends for her. Being the king, how can she say no, really? They sleep together and she falls pregnant too under very dubious circumstances. Not a great situation. And David keeps making bad decisions after that. To try and cover up his sin, he ultimately ends up having her husband, Uriah, murdered, effectively. So here is Bathsheba dealing with the shame of being raped, of falling pregnant out of wedlock, and having to deal with her husband now being murdered for convenience sake. A horrible, horrible situation for her to be in. Thankfully, David repents before the Lord and their marriage is rescued. They get married, I should say. They have a good marriage. Unfortunately, that little baby dies too. So here's another mom who's having to deal with grief. But her, her next son, Solomon, goes on to be a fantastic ruler, not perfect, but a very wise man used by the Lord. There's a lot to learn from Bathsheba's story for us today. Then there's the story of Rahab. Not such a savoury lady. The Bible describes her as a prostitute. Prostituting herself to men. But she encounters Jesus. And the Bible relates a story when she hides and protects the Jewish spies 
from a king who wants to destroy them. And through that, she finds a relationship ultimately with God. And she's one of five ladies that are listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Hey? In the lineage of Jesus is a former prostitute. How God can change lives. Amen. And lastly, I want to reflect <clears throat> on Mary today. She's a typical focus of a Mother's Day message. You know, the mother of our Saviour, Jesus. You've probably heard many things said about her. But I wonder if you've ever thought what it would be like for her as a mom to be the mother of the Saviour of the world. To know that he is God's own son and yet mother him. To watch the different situations unfold in his own life and to deal with the grief of his murder and resurrection. The amazing privilege she had to change his nappies. Hey? All the mundane things that every mom has to do. The countless meals prepared. The clothes washing. What a roller coaster of a motherhood she must have had with her son. Yet the Bible talks very highly about her, and rightly so. Remember that she fell pregnant out of wedlock. Yes, she was engaged, and in those cultures, engagement was as good as marriage, but still had to suffer shame for that. And yet she embraced the will of God for her life. A fantastic mom, a fantastic testimony for us today. The reason that I wanted to point out these ladies is because on one hand we have this picture that Proverbs describes, which is great for us to focus and aspire to, but real life happens too. And I wonder, ladies, in this room, where do you fall? Somewhere in between. What's your story today? What have you had to deal with in your life as a woman, as a mother, we want to honour you today. The Bible tells us that we must honour our father and mother. The first commandment, that it will go well with us. I don't know what your situation is what right now that you're having to cope with. It may be fantastic, it may be horrendously difficult, but I want to encourage you today the Bible says in Romans 8.28, let me read it to you. I want to leave you with hope. I want to leave you encouraged today. In Romans 8.28 it says, And we know that in all things, everybody say all things, God works for the, the good, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I want you to know that there is redemptive power in Jesus. That he can take a situation that is broken or fractured and he can make it good. I was just looking at that verse this week and I was taken by the word works, all things together. Because maybe you're like me and you've heard that scripture before, maybe you never have. And you've thought, wow, 
God can take my past and he can make something out of it that is still good. And you'd be right. But actually the Greek word for works is synergeo. Does that remind you of an, a word that we use in English? Synergy. What does synergy mean? When things work well together. Hey? I want you to understand that there is a promise for every single one of us here today. Whether we're a mom, whether we're a woman, whether we're a, a, a guy, whether we're sat in this room listening, we might be listening to a podcast, we might be watching the video. The promise is that God redeems that he takes what is broken and he works with us. There's the key. He doesn't just sovereignly take over and fix the thing that we've broken. Like Rahab, who came to faith as a prostitute, he worked in her life, he worked with her such that she is now listed in Jesus' heritage. Like he worked in Bathsheba's life. When we come in repentance before the Lord, He can take something broken and make something new. But the image that we really need to know today is that Jesus doesn't just do it. He wants to work with us. And so the first thing that we need to understand is that God can't fix what is broken if we do not give our lives wholly to Him. He is not going to fix our lives when we live independently of Him. It's when we live in His wonderful, matchless grace that His power works on our behalf to take the guilty things in our lives, to take the regretful things in our lives, to take the broken and sad and hurt and painful things in our lives and transform them. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you have done. In this moment, the rest of your life can begin. Hallelujah. That is the news of the gospel of Jesus. That is the good news. That he takes our brokenness. He takes us in our inability to fix ourselves. He takes our guilt. And he takes our shame. The Bible says he casts it off of us as far as the east is from the west. And he makes all things new. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so what I want to do right now is I want to honor the ladies in the room today. We're going to pray for you. Because that word honor means to elevate and hold in esteem. We are blessed to have you in our lives. We are blessed to have you in our midst. And we want to stand with you in whatever you're dealing with and pray God's best into your situation so that you can live a life blessed and happy in the Lord and content. Amen. We've got a little gift for you too. We want you to make sure you take your gift, every lady in the room, Young or old, married or not, mum or not, we have a gift for you that we'd like you to take. So don't sneak off until you've taken your gift. We want to know, we want you to know that we appreciate you. We really do. That you you make our lives rich. 
You really do. Whether you believe it or not, whether you feel like it or not, we're telling you, you make us rich. And so I want to ask all the ladies to stand up, please. Come on, ladies, don't be shy. You're all standing up. If you are sat next to a lady and you're happy to lay a hand on their arm or something, we're going to pray for all the ladies. We're going to bless them. Amen. If you're sat with your mom, pray for your mom. If you're sat next to your wife, pray for your wife. If you're sat next to your daughter, pray for your daughter. Let's see God's blessing come. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you for the women in our lives. For all that they have experienced of life to this point, good and bad, for all that lies ahead, Lord, we honor them. We thank you for them, God, for your precious gift to us. And we bless them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. For those who are grieving, Lord, we pray your comfort. For those who are struggling to, to conceive, Lord, we bless their wombs in the name of Jesus. For those who are suffering loss in their lives in any way or form, who are weak and struggling, who have made horrendous mistakes and just want a new start, Lord, we speak life and blessing over every one of the women in this room today. We count it a privilege today, Lord, to do this thing. And we love you for them, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.